All right, church family, good morning. Brother Billy, you are now officially the senior staff member here at Cecilia Baptist Church on more than one level, my brother. And so Brother Billy's only got about four years on me, but uh, you still got four years. Church, wow, it is a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. I pray that you have your Bibles with you this morning. We're going to jump into this word, get your sermon outline uh, out, and hopefully you got a pencil, hopefully you got a pen that you can use this morning as we work through God's word and this sermon together this morning. So we're going to be in the gospel of Matthew chapter 16, and we're only going to be looking at one verse this morning. Verse 24, same verse that the kids are studying upstairs as well. And so you can see the title of the sermon this morning, and maybe it's confused some of you, if you as you have uh, kind of gazed over it, but I, I hope and pray by the end of this message we can get some clarity on who we believe that we are. A convert, just a so-called Christian, or are we a disciple? of Jesus Christ. I want to read a story to you. The story goes like this. I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have the Holy Spirit's power. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm finished and done with the low living, sight walking, smooth knees, colorless dreams, chained visions, worldly talking, cheap living, and warped goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotion, plaudettes, popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith, lean in his presence, walk by patience, and uplift it by prayer, and I labor with power. My face is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, and my reed is narrow. My way is rough, my companions are few. My guide is reliable, my mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of the enemy, pander at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, let up until I've prayed up, paid up for the cause of Jesus Christ. I must go till he comes, give till I drop, preach till everyone knows, work till he stops me. And when he comes for his, or for his own, he will have no trouble recognizing me because my banner will have been clear. This is a note that was found in the office of a young pastor in Zimbabwe, Africa, following his martyrdom for his faith in Jesus Christ. Now, church, I'm not sure when this started, but there seems to be an evolving situation in which casual Christianity and a disciple of Christ had become loosely separated. Instead of being synonymous. And so the word Christian for some has become a light word per se to characterize a believer in Jesus Christ. 
But not all Christians want to be labeled as a disciple. Because being labeled as a disciple of Jesus Christ, it creates this stricter adherence. A stricter obedience, a stricter commitment, a stricter affiliation, a stricter view of Scripture, and a stricter view of sacrifice. But church, did you know Jesus' followers were called disciples long before they were ever called what? Christians. And in ancient discipleship, a person would follow and learn from a master teacher in order to become like that teacher and to do what that teacher did. And it wasn't until Acts chapter 11, verse 26, when followers of Jesus Christ or disciples were first called what? Christians. So I want to ask you a question this morning. I want to meddle just a little bit. Is it okay that I meddle? Everybody has their steel-toed shoes on. Amen? What would you consider yourself? A Christian or a disciple? Should we be drawing a line between the term Christian and disciple, or should we accept what the Bible says in Acts 11, verse 26, that it was the same disciples of Jesus that were called Christians? And when we explain the word Christian, and I want to make sure we all have a thorough understanding of what we are talking about this morning. When we talk about this word Christian, we're talking about an individual that has placed their faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior in simplistic terms. But being a Christian means you believe Jesus is the Son of, He's the Son of God. You believe that Jesus died and He rose from the, the dead. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. The Bible says that we are sealed for eternity, and yet the Bible tells us that Christians are new creations that have been sanctified and justified in Jesus' name. So we're saved. Amen? We're forgiven. The Bible says that we're reborn, we're recreated, we're sealed by the Spirit, and hey, we're heavenly bound. Amen? That's who we are. But here's my question. Is it enough just to label ourselves as a Christian, and yet we don't label ourselves as a disciple of Jesus Christ? And here's my definition of a disciple. I'm sure pastors have all kinds of definitions, but here's my simplistic definition of a disciple. Here it is. A disciple of Christ is an individual who has trusted Jesus Christ for salvation, grows in Christ individually and corporately, and goes for Christ to serve all. Now church, can we call ourselves a Christian and live a lifestyle of casual Christianity that does not reflect who we say we are. Is it okay to dismiss the Holy Spirit's guidance into the word of truth? Is it okay to lead a lifestyle that screams out, well, I want the salvation, but I don't want the sacrifice? Is it okay to call oneself a Christian, but have no regard to serve Jesus by serving others? Is it okay to avoid the cost of discipleship, but hey, I still feel confident in my Christianity? 
Is it okay? This morning, I want us to look at one verse that emphasizes the cost of discipleship. And I want us to read. Are you ready? Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Hear the word of God. And Jesus, I love how it's, and Jesus says to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, there's some stipulations. He's got to deny himself, take up his cross, and what? And follow me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day that you blessed us with. Lord, we thank you to have a building to come in and to worship and to learn and to praise and to sing unto you, Lord. Father, we thank you that you've let us come and to give our tithes and, 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 our, and our, our rewards, Lord, unto you. Father, thank you that for stewardship opportunities, Father, that we know that everything that we have, Lord, it's just a blessing, Lord, from you. It's on loan from you, God. Lord, as we come in here today, Father, you've let us sing praises unto you. Father, we've given the opportunity to learn more and more about you. And Father, as the Holy Spirit stirs our hearts this morning, Father, don't let these words fall on deaf ears. But God, I, I pray this morning that you challenge us. Lord, this society that we're living in, it doesn't need us to be casual. It doesn't need us to be comfortable. But Father, there's a calling that needs the truth. People need to know who Jesus is. People need to know what God's will, what your will for our life is. And so, Father, I pray this morning, challenge each Christian that's here to be more than just a name, but to be a follower and a doer. And, Lord, for those that are not saved today, wow, what an opportunity today could be that they can give their life unto the one that gave everything for them. Father, use this time to encourage us, to convict us, to strengthen us. In the name of Jesus, we pray, and all of God's people said, Amen. Now, Austin is back in seminary and, and doing some, some work through Cedarville. And so, you know, during the week he comes in and we talk a little bit of theology. We, we, we talk a little bit about doctrines. We talk a little bit about creeds. You know, we talk all this stuff and that, that pastors sometimes love to talk about, or, or maybe you just kind of uh, don't look forward to it. But when I was thinking about that this week, I wrote this down. Throughout history of the church, there have been confessions. There have been creeds. There have been doctrines and modes of this and that. And this morning, I am not saying that those things are not important. But the one question that is worrying me now as a pastor, more than it ever has, is this. Are we living in the day of casual Christianity? Is it here? Are we living in a day in which people in the church are being brainwashed by the idea that church in Christ is all about what Christ can do for you and not what you can do through Christ? Prosperity gospel is running rampant through our churches, running rampant through our society. We want to act like Jesus is some genie in the bottle, and all i got to do is, in times of need is rub that bottle, and Jesus, I'll, I'll show up, right? 
Are we living in a time that more people are more concerned about their own conversion than they are about helping convert others? Are we living in a time where many people want to follow Jesus, but most want to do it on their own terms? Most want to do it on their own conditions. It's almost as if we tell Jesus after our conversion, Jesus, I believe in you. I want you to be there for me when I need you. But honestly, Jesus, I'm really not sure how much I'll be there for you. So what if I told you this morning that you cannot follow Jesus on your terms? Would it make you uncomfortable? Would it ruffle your feathers? Would it get in your kitchen a little bit and do a little bit of remodeling work? What if I told you that there's a great necessity that must be met if we Christians want to be true and genuine followers of Jesus Christ? In verse 24, Jesus was addressing the disciples. But I want you to notice what Jesus says in this scripture. He talks to them, he addresses them, and then he says these words, If anyone wishes to come after me. So we know that this is addressed in the widest of terms. And in this verse, Jesus defines what a true disciple must be willing to do in three very distinct ways. And this is where your sermon outline begins this morning. Number one is this. A true disciple must be willing to deny self and devote exclusively to whom? To Jesus. Now, the word deny in the Greek, it, it means to affirm that one has no acquaintance or connection with someone or to forget oneself, lose sight of oneself and one's own interest. Now, I would venture to say that the number one issue that the majority of us have following Jesus is what? Denying oneself. But Jesus isn't saying that we shouldn't work. Jesus is not saying that we shouldn't live. Jesus is not saying that we should not eat, that we should not have a home, or that we should not have a car, or that we should not enjoy a hobby. But what Jesus seems to be saying is that we should be living a life that says, God, your will be done, and not my what? Not my own. And learning to deny oneself, it's a process that takes time in the life of a Christian. But it isn't a process that should just be denied and thrown out. If we're, if, if we're still living for ourselves, for our wants, for our desires, then we're ignoring God's will for our life. And let's be honest, if that's the case, who are we really following to begin with? Soren. Kierkegaard, a 19th century Danish philosopher, said, Church, hear these words. Take any words in the New Testament and forget everything except pledging yourself to act accordingly. My God, you will say, if I do that, my whole life will be ruined. Trying to be like Jesus. Trying to love like Jesus trying to walk and talk like Jesus. It's no easy task, but I wonder if Christians are follow, following into the trap of believing that their lives will be ruined if they obey and totally commit to Jesus Christ. 
Paul said these words to the Romans in chapter 13, verse 14. He said, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Oh, well, let's talk about that, church. Let's talk about the sinful nature a little bit. Church, y'all want to do that? Y'all, I'm going to meddle. You ready? Go from preaching to a little bit of meddling. You ready? The sinful nature tells us to hoard it up. The sinful nature tells us to covet. The sinful nature tells us to lie, to cheat, to steal, to put aside God's will for our lives and put us first and put us foremost. The sinful nature tells us we can live in any fashion we choose because we've been saved. The sinful nature tells us if we deny ourselves and become obedient to Jesus, then our lives will be ruined or we'll prevent ourselves from being all that we can be. See, Jesus knew, and Jesus still knows, one of the hardest obstacles as humans face with, our, face with our faith is denying ourselves because self is constantly, and church, listen to this, carefully. Jesus knows we as humans face with our faith is denying ourselves because self is constantly being influenced by worldly thought, worldly philosophies, worldly actions, and worldly values in which many stand in stark contrast to biblical teaching and God's will for our lives. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, the Apostle Paul used this phrase, the God of this world, to describe Satan's influence upon this world in terms of ideals, in terms of opinions, in terms of what's right by, versus what's wrong, and the lies that go along with the deceptions that blinds the minds of unbelievers and can even influence believers if we are not careful. But when do we get to the point of realizing the words from the Apostle John when he said this? He must become greater, and I must become what? Less. He's got to become greater in me. For greater is he that is what? That is in me. And we know spiritual maturity takes time and it's a process of transformation in the life of the disciple that leads us away from the old ways of life to a Christ-centered life. Paul said in Romans 12 too, and we forget this, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? Of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So I'm going to ask you this question. This is something that you're going to have to answer for yourself personally. When people look at our lives, whose will do they see us following? Are you following God's will? Or are you just following yours? Are we following the world? Let me ask y'all something real quickly. What's easier to follow, Jesus or the world? Let's just be honest. See, the world is so much easier to follow because there's no expectation. 
the world is easier to follow because morality, values are not determined by God, but they're determined by who? By man. And so what's easier to follow? Is it easier to walk down a wide path or is it easier to walk down a what? A narrow. It's easier to walk the wide. And that's the, that's the way, that's the path that many people are taking. Are we following the world or are we following Jesus? And then Jesus says this, number two, a true disciple must be willing to do what? you got to bear. And what are you bearing, by the way? You're bearing your what? You're bearing your cross, your own cross. Now, the notion of taking up one's cross, it's been highly debated throughout the years. As Jesus was marching toward Jerusalem, Jesus, he knew the pain and the suffering that he would endure as he carried his own cross from the palace of the Roman governor Pilate to the hill called Golgotha. But the view of Jesus carrying his own cross, it's a picture of commitment. It's a picture of dedication. It's a picture of sacrifice. And it's a picture of L-O-V-E. It's a picture of love. So what are our crosses? Well, listen, church, they're not just hardships. They're not just trial, sickness, or persecution, but our crosses represent who we are in Christ Jesus. It means we're willing to sacrifice for Jesus. It means we're willing to take on persecution for Jesus. It means we're willing to be cross-bearers for the sake of the gospel. And we get to that point in our lives where we finally understand that we must deny ourselves, then we start to ask ourselves, why did Christ carry his cross? And to put it short, he was willing to what? He was willing to die. He was dedicated to love. He was committed to the cause to finish what the Father had begun. Retired Baptist preacher John Hambury said these words. Listen to this. Casual Christians are those who want to be numbered among the flock but could care less about following the shepherd. They want the forgiveness the cross of Jesus brings but never intend to carry their own. They want warm, fuzzy moments on Sunday morning but offer no commitment to Jesus on Monday morning. In short, they want the crown without the cross. Is that who we are? No wonder the world is so confused about who we are. Casual Christianity has infected our churches, our commitment, our love for one another, our love for the Savior. We could almost change the name of the church to the casual Christian community. Amen? That's who we're becoming. Are you carrying your cross? What does it signify? Are you carrying a love for others, a love of commitment to Jesus and His church? Are you carrying forgiveness? Are you carrying a cross that you won't throw down in times of adversity? Are we willing to die to ourselves and to surrender to Jesus? Or are we just carrying a cross of casual commitment? And Jesus wasn't finished. After saying we got to deny ourselves and take up the cross, Jesus also said, number three, a true disciple must follow. They got to follow me. Now, listen, any good sports team will tell you to win championships, 
We're not even going to talk about Kentucky. Don't go there. Me, me and Cal, we're going to have to have an email and, and place hands on you, okay? Amen. But any, any championship team will tell you it takes time, it takes effort, it takes dedication, blood, sweat, and tears. It's a willingness to follow a coach through the good ideas and the, the bad ideas. It takes a steady hand not to listen to the crowds and the naysayers and avoid the persecution and the sarcasm that comes from those outside influences. The championship team will tell you they didn't listen when people told them they couldn't and they wouldn't. But in return, it gave them even more determination to be committed to the cause, to be obedient, and to be sacrificial for the greater good. Well, guess what? The same holds true when Christ commands that we deny ourselves, that we take up the cross, and we follow Him. And following Christ begins with a head-level decision that we understand Jesus is who He says He is, that Jesus forgives, that Jesus saves, that Jesus gives eternal life. But continuing to follow Jesus means we've dedicated the life that He gave us to be and not our own. Jesus was challenging the disciples to follow Him to Jerusalem and then to carry their own cross. The Apostle Paul said these words to Timothy. He said, I have fought the good fight, and I have what? I have finished the race, and I've kept the faith, and now in store for me is the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And he said, not only to me, but also to those who have longed for his appearing. So are we willing to follow Jesus, even if it meant surrendering oneself to Jesus? Are we willing to follow even if it means carrying our own cross? Are we willing to follow even if it means being persecuted? Are we willing to follow and finish the race, keeping the faith, and realizing that the best is yet to what? The best is yet to come, church. See, we may be following Jesus with our heads, but are we following Jesus with our hearts? Are we following Jesus with our hands? Are we following Jesus with our feet? And Jesus didn't look at the disciples and say, this is what I want from my radical Christians. But Jesus said to disciples, he said, if anyone comes after who? If anyone. So have we put conditions on how we're willing to follow Jesus. Jesus didn't say that we can just be casual. Jesus didn't say that we get to choose the terms and the conditions, but Jesus did say, you're going to deny yourself. You're going to take up that cross, and you're going to follow who? You're going to follow me. So this is a question that you're going to ask yourself this morning. Are we disciples, or are we just converts? What are we? And to dig a little deeper, what does your lifestyle say you are? Oh, preacher, don't meddle too bad now. Come on. What does your lifestyle say you are? What does your worship say you are? What does your sacrifice say you are? What does your service into Jesus say you are? And many times when we hear sermons such as this, we have a tendency to think, Oh, preacher, don't judge me. Don't judge me this morning, preacher. Well, let me tell you something this morning. You ready for this? It's not my place to judge you. Don't you think he already knows? Come on. And if he already knows, don't you think that should be enough to want change? That should be enough to say, I will follow who? 
I will follow you. Casual Christianity is something easy to slip into. It's kind of like those old mowing shoes you put on when you got to go out and mow. Kind of like that old coat that's hanging in the closet that's just been worn for years and years and it's all loose and, and good, right? Well, that's what happens a lot of times with our walk with God. It just becomes casual. It just becomes, well, it's there. Church is there. God is there. So anytime I want to get back into it, anytime I want to get dedicated, anytime I really want to get serious about my walk with God, well, I know that it's there. Church, let me tell you something. You do not have tomorrow as a guarantee. You don't have tomorrow as a guarantee. And if you don't believe me, all you got to do is pick up that news enterprise tomorrow and go to the obituaries. This week, my heart was broke for a family that lost a two-year-old child. Two years old. You have no idea how much time you have left in this world. Now, I'm just going to ask you. You can do whatever you want to do with your life. Whatever your little heart desires. I'm going to tell you something this morning. I'm going to be absolutely transparent. If you are a Christian here this morning, you can't follow Jesus on your own terms. You just can't tell him, well, I might come. I might be committed. I might serve. I might love. I might sacrifice. Or I may just do whatever I want to. Good luck with that. Because Austin and I were talking this week. As I was putting the sermon together, and I said, Austin, I said, can I tell you something that scares me? He said, well, yeah. I said, I wonder sometime if some of these casual Christians are going to be the ones that Jesus looks at. And he says, depart from me. I never knew you. But Jesus, we taught in your name. Jesus, we did this. In your name, Jesus. Uh-uh. Depart from me. I never knew you. You know why? Because you never truly got saved. The conversion wasn't genuine. And I have never been anyone that's talked people out of their, out of their salvation. Never will. But I'm going to tell you something right now. If there ain't a difference in your life. If there ain't a difference in the way that you're loving and a difference in the way that you're living and a difference in the way that you love the Lord and you love your brothers and your sisters in Christ, you need to come down here and pray this morning. Put that old stone heart aside and let God chisel it out. Amen. You need to come down here and quit saying, God, I'm done with it being my way. It's going to be your way. I'm done with being selfish. Father, I'm going to be righteous. I want your way, God. Not my what? Not my own. Brothers and sisters, I urge you this morning. Maybe some of you need to rededicate your life back to the Lord, back to your church. Maybe some of you this morning have never given your life to Jesus Christ. Lord, I'd love to make heaven sing glory this morning, wouldn't you? Just one salvation, two, three, however many it is.
And so this morning, whatever need, whatever God is laying upon your heart right now, as Billy comes and we sing, this is your invitation. This is your opportunity. Let's make it his will and not our own. Will you stand this morning? Spirit.